And now the one and only Hal Anderson. Thank you very much, Savannah. I understand that uh, that is it now. Yes. I'm done with you for the afternoon. I'm retired for the afternoon. Tristan, Tristan uh, is going to be doing the news after uh, you're done this cast. He'll oh, make his triumphant return at 1.30. All right. Thank you very much, Savannah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Nice to have you on this show and not just on the weekend show. It's always nice to have Savannah around. Jeff Forche is producing the show today, as always, 104. How's it going? Happy Wednesday. We are going to start the show in about 10 minutes with Miles Gorell. How do I know Miles will be here in 10 minutes? Because I can feel the heat and I can hear the growling coming from the green room right now behind me. Miles Gorell, CFL great, bomber great, one of the bookends. We'll talk to him. It is Mark CFL week and Miles is in town for Mark CFL week, which kind of gets going tonight. I'm going to talk to Bob Irving a little later on about uh, the Hall of Fame gala uh, tonight. We won't uh, get any names until tonight at that gala, but we'll talk to Bob Irving about that and the rest of Mark CFL week, which really gets going tomorrow over at the RBC Convention Center, but unofficially tonight that gala kicks it off. Also today, uh, we're going to talk with Chris Adams, a political scientist, about uh, this poll that you heard Christian mention in the news there. Pallister is actually up a little bit in this latest Angus Reid poll. We'll sort of get an update from Chris Adams on uh, provincial politics in general. And I guess, you know, what the heck is going on with the Manitoba Hydro Board? The entire board has announced its resignation. It's my understanding that our Richard Cluche is at the legislature. We will be talking with him soon. And apparently Premier Pallister is scrumming soon with reporters on this hydro development. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have Richard Cluche on, and we'll have some of that audio from the scrum for you with the premier as well on the uh, resignation of the entire board this morning over at Manitoba Hydro. Want to talk about the Jets. Wow. 44 wins. Franchise record, 44 wins for the Jets. And they are very close now to clinching a playoff spot. Very close to getting second in the Central. We'll talk about the Jets. I think we'll do that in about half an hour from now, about 1.45. Tough trivia right after Global News at 2 o'clock. We're going to give you a tough question, trivia question. And if you get it right, you get tickets for the Winnipeg Golf Expo at Red River Exhibition Park, April 6th and 7th. And we're going to toss in some Santa Lucia pizza. All right. Around 2.15, Muchos Kilos, me, Shaner, and Timmy, my band of big guys. We got a new one for you. It's called Facebook's Watching You. <laughs> Facebook's Watching You. I'm sure you figured out already we ripped off a, a tune by the police. Facebook's Watching You. Man, what a mess, eh? And just in a couple of days, uh, Facebook share prices have gone down, costing uh, Zuckerberg... Billions of dollars. His net worth is billions of dollars lower after just a couple of rough days for Facebook on the stock market. So we'll talk about Facebook, Cambridge Analytical. I've got some uh, news for is the organization in Britain that kind of broke this whole uh, Facebook, uh, Cambridge Analytical story. And uh, I've got some audio that I want to play for you, some undercover audio. And it's apparently of Cambridge Analytical executives meeting with, of course, the executives didn't know this, but they were meeting with 
uh, undercover reporters or, or reporters uh, from News 4. And I'm going to play a bit of that for you, and it's pretty interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff. I mentioned Bob Irving's going to come up on the, the show today. We'll do that. Uh, talk to Bob at about quarter to three. And then a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, as we uh, as we kind of go along here. So I've got lots coming up for you, including a really cool song and video from Kelly Clarkson. You know, she is considering she started on American Idol. And nothing. there are some great people that go on these shows and get discovered and then go on to have great careers. You know, Kelly Clarkson's one. Um, uh, oh, who's the one that married the hockey player? She was American Idol, too. Oh, she's phenomenal. I can't believe she's escaping me right now. But anyhow, um, somebody will text me the answer and remind me how stupid I am. I was up early today. Maybe this is what's going on. I was up. My wife had to get up early today. I got up early. I was doing some stuff around the house real early this morning, and maybe I should have just stayed in bed, but I got up early with her. But anyhow, Kelly Clarkson is phenomenal. I like Kelly Clarkson a lot. And she's got this new song and video called I Don't Think About You. And I want to play some of that because it is really powerful stuff. It's kind of like, uh, well, she says the uh, song in the video is that moment you realize that something, whatever that is, something in your life no longer has power over you. And it's just a really powerful song. I'll, I'll just tell you, I was watching the video on YouTube in the newsroom about an hour ago. I was getting choked up, and yeah, it's uh, really powerful stuff, and I really like Kelly Clarkson. So that and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, I know the question I wanted to ask you. Scariest movie. What's the scariest movie ever for you? Carrie Underwood. Thank you very much, Texter. Carrie Underwood. That's who I was thinking of. Thank you. Um, They did a a little uh, research over at, um, uh, they did some research at Netflix, and they have come up with a list of the top 10 horror movies that were so scary, people couldn't make it through the movie. And how do they know that? Because they know when people start watching it and when they stop watching it. And these 10 horror movies were stopped at about 70% of the way through the film. So they got almost three quarters of the way through the movie and then, ah, oh, this is too scary, and they turned it off. So we'll give you some scary movies from that list from Netflix, and then you tell me, please, your scariest movie of all time. All right? It is 111. We're going to take a break and come back with Miles Gorell, Hal Anderson on CJOB. Hal Anderson. And there he is, Mr. Miles Gorell. My goodness, one of the bookends. Well, actually, the other, we'll call him mini bookend. You brought uh, the sports doctor, David Patrician, with you. Uh, well, I always go with David wherever I go, you know, because yeah. he knows where the food is. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and you know, that's my favorite. Event. I know. Oh, I am well aware. Do you remember? I'll ask you this. Great to see you, Miles. You look fantastic. Uh, thanks by the very way. much, Hal. I, uh, I love being here in Winnipeg. Lots of friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember? I'll get selfish here off the hop, and I'll ask you this. Do you remember that promo that you, uh, me, B.J. Burke, and uh, Chris Walby did called Three Men and a Baby? Yep. And it was you, me, and Walby, and then B.J. was dressed up like a baby? Yep. Oh, I, I love it very much. <laughs> I, got, I got great memories from here. You know, we might have been in a different location than right here, <laughs> yeah. but it was still a lot of fun. And B.J. and uh, yeah. B.J. and Hal in the mornings, you know, I just loved, you know, we had such a good time. We did. And, yeah. you know. I get to see Chris all the time. Football is football, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's my 41st yeah. year in the CFL sort of thing, and mm-hmm. uh, 
been around it for a long time. I tried to get out for a couple of years, but uh, the fact that you get to wear short pants all the time and uh, <laughs> watch watch young players play football and try and make it yeah. to the CFL is just lots of fun. Yeah, and you're with Montreal now. That's an update, everybody, on what you're doing, where you're at. Yeah, well, you know, I'm with the Montreal Alouettes as a director of national scouting, and it's kind of been my MO, you know, like, okay, I first go to Calgary, my first team, you know, and yeah. uh, then I go to Ottawa, which was my second team, and now I'm with my third team. So, you know, some, sooner or later I'll be back with Hamilton and <laughs> Winnipeg. I don't know. I'm still yeah. a young man, you know. So yeah. we uh, we have a lot of fun, and the CFL is a small league. But uh, we got some really good kids coming here uh, to uh, show us what they can do. You know, we've scouted them all, but uh, they're here in the beautiful city of Winnipeg uh, and, and enjoying themselves to uh, – to, to try and make it to the next step, which is always good. You know, yeah. they, we got a kid taller than me here at the camp. and uh, Wow. And, and nobody heavier. But there's a couple kids, <laughs> you know, there's one kid taller. But, you yeah. know, heavier. Uh, could what be were a, you, six, eight when you played? Something uh, like well, that? Well, yeah, when I was we, young. We shrink when we get older. Yeah, yeah, bit. right. Uh, well, you know, in one way we shrink. You know, like, <laughs> uh, you know these kids look tall you yeah. know, and, like, lean. And mm-hmm. this is there was a kid I measured near Arnaud, and I can't say his last name. It's too long, yeah. but Arnaud, good football player at the University of Montreal, and he's 6'9 and a bit, you know, and you're like, darn. Wow. Yeah. I, that's that's some real height. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of linemen that uh, close to my weight, you yeah. know, not quite, you know, in yeah. that uh, range of me and Walby in our heyday. But, yeah. uh, you know, they yeah. eat well. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, the Sports Doctor, you can find him on Twitter at the Sports Doctor. He's on the weekend show all the time. You're on this show once in a while, Dave. And, uh, I mean, you were a Bomber board member at one time. Yes. Huge, huge Bomber fan. Do you have any favorite memories of, of this guy, Miles Gurrell, when he played for the Big Blue? I do. It was 1994. We are in Las Vegas, Nevada. The uh, It was the Bombers playing the Las Vegas Posse. Yeah. And there must have been, if there was 2,000 people in the stands, there was <laughs> there was 30,000. That's yeah, what I mean. Right. And um, I got on television. That's that's another show. I had my face plated blue and gold, and the Bombers were just running away with it. And it was one of those Matt Dunnigan games where he probably passed for 500 yards. And yeah. I was sitting, like, literally row one, and I was having a beer. And Miles came and grabbed my beer while he was still playing. <laughs> <laughs> Drink your beer. Yeah, there was only a few seconds yeah. left. And he's like, thanks, pal. That's what he just like. <laughs> thanks, pal. I knew I'm thirsty. Yeah. You know, one of my family memories of that game. Um, was it was my birthday the next day, and we're flying home on the charter afterwards, and I'm sitting there with Walby and Mikowas, as I usually yeah, do, because right. you know we had our one gallon of vodka between the three of us, you know, and <laughs> and we're giving liquor to all the young kids to take back for us, because no, you're taking mine back and put it in your bag and bring it over to me at the end of the game. But so we're sitting there, and Cal gets on, you know, kindly Cal gets on, and hey, it's your birthday, isn't it? I go, yes, sir, it is, and he goes. Here's a bottle of uh, Veuve Clicquot and uh, hands me a bottle of champagne. And Walby's looking at him going, you never gave me anything like that. <laughs> and like going, look at this. I got, I got Walby all riled up. <laughs> oh, it was fun. And so yeah. um, Chris falls asleep on the airplane. <laughs> and, me, and me and Stan look up and go, ooh. So we go into his bag, take his bottle of vodka, and proceed to drink it on the four hours back. So he wakes up. And there's no bottle of vodka <laughs> in his bag. Gone. And there's me and Stan. Ooh, hello. <laughs> oh, he was so lit up. He was so mad at us. And we're like, 
You can have mine. It's in the bag over there. Just go take it, man. Oh, he was mad that we drank his vodka. You notice we don't come up with football stories. Yeah, well, no. I wasn't sure when I when I asked you that question, yeah. and then Miles yeah. chimed in. I wasn't sure they were going to be appropriate for radio. I'm surprised you each had a story that we could tell on the air. I'm amazed at that. Uh, well, most of my stories are about yeah, good fun, fun right? Good yeah. fun, and yeah. you know the game. The game has got a great anecdote to it. Now, it's Jeff Cummins' first game, who's the head coach at Acadia University. There's a very good young man that's going to be at the Combine on, on Saturday and Sunday, Brandon Jennings from Acadia, that Jeff recommended. But Jeff's a big guy, right? And it's his first game in the CFL. And guess who he gets to play against? Miles and Chris. And one of the first plays he lines up is a short yardage play. And he's 265 pounds, and all he does is look up and go, Mummy. <laughs> like, as Chris and I would have weighed yeah. like 670, oh, 600 pounds yeah. together. Yeah. We rolled him into the end zone, and, and like Jeff tells the story way better than I do, but he yeah. says, I just looked up and went, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to, these guys, because we lined up shoulder to shoulder, yeah. short yardage, and rolled them. And yeah. it was funny. And I get to see Jeff still to this day. And that's, you know, you think about yeah. it, it's 24 years later, and I get to still hang out with the same guys. I get to say the same players everywhere yeah. you know they come find me when i go down to the states oh, I'm I, sure they I do. find them all yeah. everywhere lots of guys are still coaches and it's fun i love coming back to winnipeg to see my friends that are you know was this the most fun you had here in winnipeg because you were all you won a cup in in hamilton uh you played uh, you know in several uh, teams uh one two three four five, five teams. teams two of them twice yeah and yeah. the and the bombers was that the most fun here well it, it it absolutely was the most fun because i got to meet a wonderful woman and marry her yep. so and how is suzanne uh, good suzanne's doing great Excellent. and you know we're, we have a lot of fun the two girls are doing great. Tori, our youngest, plays uh, volleyball at Penn State. Mm -hmm. And our oldest, of course, is above my pay grade. She's in second-year law school, <laughs> getting a double Well, you're covered then, Miles. Oh, you're yeah, good. Right. And, you know, she's getting a double juris doctorate down in one in the States and one in Canada, you yeah. know. So I'm covered in two countries. I'm doing good. Yeah. Me and Dave got it made. Cause, yeah. Because Veronica used to love going to the Elephant Castle when Dave was running it. And she yes. loved the food at the yes. Elephant Castle. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and... Uh, I would imagine you're still able to get in trouble too. Uh, not so much anymore. No too. way. It's too beer, you know, and like uh, <laughs> I gotta shut her down. But uh, the wine still likes. I still like wine. Yeah. You know, my yeah. wife and I like to drink. Nothing wines. wrong with that. Nothing nope. wrong with that. Nope. Hey, so when you're looking at these young guys, these young football players, I mean, it's obviously it's a combination. It's a mix. But do you look for the right attitude and personality, or do you look for strictly talent. I mean, I know you don't look for one or the other, but w w when your gut tells you to go one way or the other, which way does it take you? Well, to me, I, a kid that has, plays with heart, and if you watch a film or you're on the sidelines, I like watching games from the sidelines only to watch the interaction on the bench. But if you watch a kid and, and he's playing with heart and he's mm -hmm. helping his teammates and he's working towards winning the game as a team, that's what I really like, and, uh, you know, I, I look at kids, and, you know, the University of Manitoba's got a lot of good kids. You know, unfortunately, they go to the darn NFL. And, uh, they're you know, that they're good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. that's that good. You know, you look at the two kids that are playing in the NFL, a fourth-round mm -hmm. draft pick, and yeah. Jeff Gray. and um, But I look for kids like that, that, that are team, team first yeah. 
and, and you've got a lot of good kids. And, and there's a, several of them in the uh, regional combine on uh, Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, and there's uh, a couple in the uh, main combine, and it'll start on Friday night You know when we do interviews. And we interview kids now. Something we never did when I was a kid, you know, like yeah. interviews, you know. It's like, well, yeah, okay. Uh, and, and it's fun. You ask them questions, you know, like, when was the last time you were arrested? And, <laughs> and, and there's, you tell the kid right at the beginning. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. You just want to see what your face looks like. You know, you, you try and tell them. I would be uh, so scared sitting on the other side of the table with you asking questions. Hey, I don't want to run out of time. I want to ask you a couple other things here before you have to go. We've only got a couple minutes. Okay. What is better about the CFL now and what's worse? Not that I love the league where it's going. And bro, we were just talking Ambrosi's doing a great job as the commissioner. And, and, and I like football now in, in the CFL. But what's better about the league now and maybe are, are, what's something you aren't as crazy about compared to the old days um the 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 kids are better prepared mm-hmm. you know they're they're uh they're a lot more knowledgeable they're a lot they're in shape and ready to come to the combine right whereas sometimes in the past you had to take a little bit of a look at their 40 time and if it was slow you gotta work on it you gotta work on it but now you 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 get it figured out most of them are in really good shape they don't take the time off and, uh, you know, Randy Ambrosi is not my favorite Ambrosi. You know, Tom Ambrosi that runs Ambrosi Lighting, you know, the brother <laughs> is my favorite. You know, we used to drink at the St. P. every Friday afternoon. There's a theme here, yeah, eh, Dave? Yeah, you know, Dave, so, there's a theme here. Yeah. Uh, you, you know so, that. You know that. Come on. Of course I knew that. But Randy's doing a really good job. Yeah, it's, it's fun. To, you know, one of the things that I like about it is he's changed the way we look at things. And, you know, the CFL has changed and they're doing things right. Um, things that I don't like um, or our refereeing and our officiating is is taking too long to to proceed into getting better you know they're mm. doing they're trying their best and we have to remember that you know so that yeah. we don't yell at them like I used to right. sorry sorry Ken Lazarek I'm sorry um, Neil you know, uh, yeah, Neil, nah he can go away uh, <laughs> Kenny Lazarek was a great referee I loved Kenny and uh they did a good job, and they were fun guys, you know, yeah. and I think that uh, it's something that we're improving on. I sure. think Randy's going to do it. Uh, I, I just like the, the the interaction with the fans, and that's the biggest thing that the CFL has over the NFL is the CFL fans get to actually meet the players. Yeah. And on all the players are receptive to it. I've really mm-hmm. never met yeah. a CFL player in my whole history. Well, and this week is a great example of that, right? The Fan Fest and Mark CFL Week. I mean, this is, you know, this is fantastic. I, I just think it's uh, the Canadian way. Yeah. I, I just love being able mm-hmm. to interact with all the players and the people getting to talk to us and, and the fans that love the past and the present yeah. and they bring their kids out and – the, the kids, you know, even where I rented my car, the kids said, my dad would be so excited to meet you. And I'm like, yeah. hey, kid, come on. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like your dad would like yeah. to hang out with me. Hey, uh, Miles, we're right out of time, man, but it's so great to see you. Thank you for coming in. I, re- I really appreciate it. You, my pleasure, you have to, And uh, I have fond memories of... Uh, of us and uh, Beach and the limo and oh my gosh, we can't even go into half the stuff. Dave, we didn't get a chance to talk to you that much, but you're always talking on this show, so don't worry about it. Absolutely, we'll get you we're soon. going down to the CFL uh, reception today. We're going to induct or not announce the inductions to the 2018 Hall of Fame class. And yeah, uh, of course, well, Miles, and you're with a Hall of Famer. Uh, abs- absolutely, yes. so I'm, I'm in good company. Yes, yeah. excellent, boys. Thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate very it. much, Al. Global News at 1:30 is coming right up. Thank you very much. TFJ.
Well, uh, one of the big stories we're following for you here today on CJOB is the board of Hydro packing it in, announcing their resignation. And here to tell us more is Richard Cloutier, fresh from the legislature. It's Rich. a fascinating story. We'll queue up the audio of the premier who, ahead of question period, spoke mm. to Global News and the assembled uh, legislative reporters just outside the uh, just outside the rotunda. But uh, it's interesting. We hear the news this morning that the high-profile progressive conservative appointed board chaired by Sandy Riley, who right. doesn't need the $7,500 annual payment he gets for chairing that board. Yeah. He is um, he is a, a self-made wealthy person who decided that, and after chairing the board, saw the problems that Manitoba Hydro has. So I'll tell you two stories that are making the runs because I've talked to people on both sides. Right. The premier officially says that they got involved in this prompting uh, their action against Sanford Riley and ultimately the resignation of this board because they found out that Manitoba Hydro wanted to make a one-time payment of $70 million to the Manitoba Métis Federation to cover some of the issues that Hydro has. And Hydro has a history of making payments, especially in north northern Manitoba. And Pallister explained this dispute away as saying, we said no. Uh, and uh, he's vociferous about defending that part of the story. Uh, the Manitoba Hydro and Sanford Riley put out the story this morning saying that they couldn't even get a meeting with uh, with the Premier on this. Pallister said no, they had met uh, several times, but in the last uh, several weeks, no meeting, simply because there is that whopping 7.9% rate increase before the Public Utilities Board. The Premier uh, basically said, listen, uh, we're not going to interfere with the PUB process. Uh, that's a process that we respect. And uh, I am told that this was the straw that broke the the back, if you will, between the chair of Manitoba Hydro or former chair now, Sandy Riley, and the premier in the premier's office. You have to know that Sanford Riley was part of the transition team when Brian Pallister became premier. Yeah. That some of the people on that board, very high profile Tories. They're tight. Yeah. They're tight. Mike Pyle, Dana Spiring, some people either aspiring to be backroom people or to be candidates in the future. Uh, I would suggest that their actions today, they're not exactly in the best books of Brian Pallister, but yeah. they're in for a timeout. Uh, I would also, and I've, and I've heard from many people from the Progressive Conservative Party that are wondering whether the story has legs in the sense that this is symbolic of the premier micromanaging certain things, picking and choosing to interfere in, in the politics of Manitoba Hydro uh, selectively. But the big picture here is that the Manitoba Hydro finances are in trouble. The decisions made by the NDP, Sandy Riley has been saying for 18 months now, if not longer, that there's problems there mm. and that they need these rate increases. I'm not convinced the Public Utilities Board is convinced of that. And uh, I don't think that uh, you would see that whopping increase when it comes down. Maybe they'll go halfers on this. Either way, we're going to be paying more for hydro. Mm -hmm. But also, Sandy Riley hasn't done a good job of selling the problem with Manitoba Hydro. He has alienated a lot of people. And, and, and I know and I respect Sandy Riley, but sometimes it's all in the communication. And in this case, I don't think Manitoba Hydro has made the case to Manitobans why they are in trouble. I think Pallister has made it. I think selectively Hydro has made it. But in the end, we don't care 
if there's long-term debt and deficit, we know that, you know, we might morally care, but mm-hmm. in the end, it's how it affects our pocketbook, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm paying more for hydro, if I'm paying more for gasoline come September 1st, Pallister has his eye on the next election. Mm-hmm. So he has to start making some political decisions here because he does not want to have this tire wrapped around his neck like Selinger did in raising the PST. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be accused of that. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of going on here. Is there anything to the $70 million <laughs> payment or is this just what they happen to be fighting over? Well, this is what they happen to be fighting over. I think for the premier, it's a line in the sand. I want to do a little bit more of the backstory yeah. on that and okay. find out about that because because Pallister has had a very good relationship with the Manitoba Métis Federation. And what sort and, and is this the issue? I think it's the issue that Pallister can explain the situation away from. Right. But I'm told there are larger issues here between uh, Sandy Riley, the premier, yeah. the board, uh, etc. They're offering the one person, uh, the uh, the MLA who sits on Manitoba's hydro board, to join us later on the news. But everybody's got their story straight at this point. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing off yeah, you're air doing right some, now, you're doing some digging I'm doing some scenes, digging yeah. here and, and talking to a lot of people. And it's interesting, as word comes out about what Pallister said to media about half an hour ago, the text messages I'm getting now are suggesting, no, that's the cover story. So mm-hmm. we'll try to okay. sort fact from fiction on this. I think there's a lot of facts here, but it's the ones that um, they're trying to... To, to, to sell us as to the real reason. I, I think Sandy Riley was at a breaking point. He wanted some decisions out of this government and that uh, he is a man of principle. I've known Sandy Riley for years. Um, he comes from the business community. He knows the problem at Manitoba Hydro. And I think he wanted a firm decision from government to support him on the need for higher rates and some and, and potentially more cuts to Manitoba Hydro. In the end, the premier has to be accountable to the people of Manitoba. And that means sometimes making politically expedient decisions. So I don't blame what Pallister is saying today. And I would also suggest that Riley didn't do a good enough selling job of what um, what is a real problem at Manitoba Hydro. All right. Richard Cloutier, he's going to do some digging. And then he will have a lot more with Julie Buckingham on the news starting at 4 o'clock here on CJOB. And we will get together some of that audio of Pallister's scrum and we'll have it for you coming up here on the show. Rich says it's good. Pick me, uh, find me a good two or three minutes, please, Rich, and we'll play that for the people uh, on this situation at Manitoba Hydro. We're going to talk to Chris Adams, a political scientist about provincial politics Outside of this uh, development with hydro, there's a poll out today showing that the premier is up a few points, an Angus Reid poll. Also want to kind of find out how the parties are doing, according to Chris Adams. How are the Tories doing in government? How are the NDP doing in opposition? And what's going on with the Liberals? Chris Adams coming up after a break. But as you know, I asked you your scariest movies and we're starting to get some reaction to this and i'll have the netflix list for you later on basically netflix has taken a look at its horror movies and it is discovered that viewers turned them off at some point during the movie they were that scary so they turned them off so i'll give you that list from netflix but here are a few that i'm getting from you scariest movies for people pet cemetery children of the corn the Fog, the original one, The Exorcist. I still think The Exorcist, for me, is probably the scariest movie of all time. I think so. The Exorcist. That's my opinion, if you care. Here's another uh, text message without question. 
when viewing OS1 ages, uh, you view them with different points of view in terms of scary, but for me, without question, number one scary, The Exorcist. There's another one for The Exorcist. And we had Miles Gurel in here last half hour. He's in town for Mark CFL Week, and I got a couple of great text messages about Miles. Hal, Miles and Chris Wolby bought a KFC bucket of chicken on Henderson and then went up the road to Flame Pizza in a black La Riviera, ordered two extra-large pizza, and ate the bucket of chicken while waiting for the Zaw. They were on their way to Grand Beach. And Big Daddy Taz, regular listener and friend of CGOB, uh, was listening when Miles was on, and he says, uh, Hal, at the old Club St. B, me trying to keep up to Miles in drinking was like a hobbled pole vaulter trying to keep up to a Ferrari. Just couldn't do it. Great seeing Miles Gorell again. And we will continue to talk scary movies. Chris Adams, political scientist, next on CJOB. It's Hal Anderson. Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. All right, 147. We're going to talk a little provincial politics now. And joining us on the phone, U of M political scientist Chris Adams. Hello, Chris. Hi, Hal. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, good to chat with you again. Let's talk about this new leaders poll. It shows Pallister here in Manitoba, kind of in the middle of the pack, but he is up a few percentage points to um, 37, up from uh, 34. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, it it could be uh, a slight uptake or it could be the same. And this was a poll done by Angus Reid Institute with an online sample of five and a half thousand people. And if you divide nine provinces into that, that means uh, roughly 600 would have been interviewed in Manitoba. So it's a a fairly small sample. It's not Mm. a tiny sample, but it's 600 people. And uh, so if there's a percentage or two change, it it might not be that remarkable. But uh, regardless of that, the Institute's polls showing uh, Pallister over the past um, year or so has shown a decline. Uh, so this would be good news for Pallister in that that he's not declining, that, that, that in fact he might be doing a little bit of an uptake. Yeah, and I checked with Angus Reid. They did the polling from March 6th to 15th, and the budget was on the 12th of March. So most of the polling was done after the budget, so uh, or before the budget, rather. So the budget may be not much of an impact on this poll. That's right. And how, uh, you know, people like you looked closely at the budget on the 12th. Most people who are polled on, on uh, you know, a poll such as this would not have been following the budget very closely. Uh, something like that reverberates gradually over a day or two. So if you're talking about a, a March 12th budget, you have to sort of think, well, that'll have an impact with public thinking on the 13th and 14th as they mm. start seeing the news and the coverage and, and what this budget actually means. So most of this polling that was done uh, would be with people who weren't really thinking about the budget. Yeah, good point. Uh, Before I kind of get an update on provincial politics in general from you, let's uh, talk about the last time we chatted about a poll. It showed the NDP really coming back. It showed women leaving the Tories and going to the NDP primarily. We haven't had a poll since then, but we are expecting one soon. Yes, uh, uh, there are a few pollsters who who do uh, work in 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 the in the province, 
um, some from outside the province come in and do it. Main Street does uh, does IVR, interactive voice response uh, polling, and that's where you get a phone call from a from an automatic machine and you punch in a few numbers for a very few questions. But the Main Street poll in, in January had the NDP coming back to territory where it used to have before the last election. And specifically looking at women, you saw the women were coming back to the NDP. In part, uh, that poll uh, that poll had the Liberals not doing very well at all, and it looked like the NDP were uh, taking uh, support from the Liberals again and and bringing back some of their support from the Pallister PCs. But you know, one single poll uh, it, it stood out differently than than the other polls we'd seen for prior months. So we'd have to look at at polls over a long term. And many of us are waiting for the probe research poll to come out, and they do it for the free press. And it comes out uh, usually in the spring. So I, I would suspect in the next few weeks we'll see something. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about each of the parties, of course, the budget from uh, the governing Tories, Pallister government, uh, distracted driving legislation, now some more information on pot that some people like and yeah. others don't. Let's talk about each of the parties, the Tories first, Pallister and his Tories. How are they doing? Well, you know, the, the, the budget uh, was a fairly good budget, but the, the, uh, um, some issues such as uh, what, what are they going to be doing with the carbon tax is causing some uh, concern among people, uh, concern about climate change. Is the, is the government going to be using this carbon tax to balance the budget or reduce taxes, or are they going to be doing it to uh, promote environmental, um, uh, environmental issues? The, um, you know, the budget triggers a new legislative session, and and so we'll be seeing much debate from from uh, the NDP as well as the the three MLAs for the Liberals. So so this reverberates through in, uh, on a number of other levels. I would say uh, the other thing on the cannabis, um, you know, we, we were seeing the story uh, today about how people will be tested mm. on the roads and also um, wh- where can you smoke uh, smoke your weed? And right. so is it on on uh, patios, et cetera? And it looks like they're going to be curbing that quite a bit. But the, the issues such as uh, public transportation, cannabis, uh, issues relating to justice, um, the climate, these are issues that start to reverberate through the media, and this is where the budget actually does start to pick up some traction. Well, and let's move to the NDP because Wab Canoe has been going after Pallister on electrifying uh, the transit buses in Winnipeg. Comment on that and then tell us how Wab Canoe and the NDP have been doing in opposition. Well, the, the NDP, you know, being a, a center, center-left oriented party, will be a little bit stronger on, on the environment, and I'm not surprised to to hear uh, the the uh, push for electrification of, of buses. And also, we have to think about where does city council and the mayor come into all this, and, and they will voice their, their desires for, for how things get uh, from the provincial budget down into into the city. So, so if there are uh, cutbacks on areas such as public transportation, the, we can expect the mayor to be speaking about that, but also the carbon tax revenues, which we still don't know exactly where those revenues will be. And it's when I saw it, I think it's over $240 million a year will be coming in on that carbon tax. So that's a lot of money uh, that, that many stakeholders will be looking at to see how can that come into my community to benefit. But back to Wab Canoe, uh, we, we have seen some uh, some uh, uh, change in branding for the leader. Uh, the we, we, we saw the leader uh, um, um, elected by the NDP. We saw some media fallout in terms of people uh, um, uh, 
uh, something from his young adulthood in terms of a relationship he had and also a taxi driver issue. But the the, the party has decided that they want to rebrand their leader. And we've seen some, some TV advertisements as well as some circulars out in the mail and putting him forward as, as someone with uh, his his wife or his partner and his children. And that's the, the, the Wab Canoe that the NDP presented at that convention when, when the uh, when he won the, the vote overwhelmingly. So we can see this as a pre-election branding of the leader as a family guy who's uh, concerned about the community. Interesting. And Dugald Lamont, finally, the Liberals. Well, that's, that's the question mark uh, we have. You know, we, we do know the provincial Liberals did fairly poorly at, at during the last uh, provincial election, and Dugald Lamont was surprisingly elected at the last leadership convention uh, over John Gerard and, and, and Cindy Lam- Lamoureux. Uh, Lamont still doesn't have a seat. Uh, the question is, will he be seeking a seat in St. Boniface, because that's going to be a by-election now that the, uh, Greg Selinger has stepped down. Mm. And uh, so, so we'll have to see what Lamont's doing. The main Main Street poll had the Liberals in a very in the teens in terms of the under 20 percent in support. But with a, a third party, polls are often difficult for for capturing those those smaller parties. Uh, we'll have to see if Lamont can, can uh, carve out a niche in, in the public debate and, and any support he gains, whether he can hold it as he moves towards the election. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks, Hal. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That is U of M poli side prof Chris Adams joining us here on CJOB talking a little provincial politics. Now, as promised, I've got about a minute here of Premier Pallister's scrum on the resignation of the entire board at Manitoba Hydro. Take a listen. Let's talk about aligning better and make sure that no further payments are made to special interest groups by Manitoba Hydro without notification and discussion with the Minister of the Crown. Why not meet with Mr. Riley? Why not meet with him, though? Because a lot of people... Well, because Riley was on your transition team, These are all very loyal progressive conservatives that by this move you've alienated. Okay, well, first of all, Richard, your assertions are false, false, and potentially false as well. Um, So I have to say... Um, we've had regular contact. Uh, my senior officials and my ministers have responsibility for overseeing uh, the relationship with close to 200 boards, agencies and commissions, and uh, we'll continue to, to take those responsibilities seriously. Uh, I will not meddle in a public utilities board rate application process because I just don't think that's right or fair. But I, uh, I have obvious biases in respect of defending the interests of Manitoba ratepayers. And I think as a government, we've done the right thing in making sure that we don't allow our crown corporations to make payments like the one they propose to make. Premier Pallister there, scrumming with reporters earlier, and you heard our Richard Cluche in there. He will have more with Julie Buckingham on the news starting at 4 o'clock. Global News at 2 is coming up next. We are going to... uh, do tough trivia here in uh, just a moment. I got a good question for you, and I'll tell you what we can uh, give you too. But can I squeeze in a quick call here? Mike is on the phone wanting to talk about Facebook 204 780 6868. Hi, Mike. Hey, Hal. Yeah, it's quite simple. I've never had Facebook, I don't do electronic banking. My parents taught me if you can't have it solid and in your hand, don't do it, and you do not need 700 friends. As long as you got 15 good friends, you're laughing. And you don't miss it, eh? I've never had it. Yeah, I guess if you've never had it, you don't miss it, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, you know, it's at times like this, Mike, when I go, guys like you, you're right, yes. But when technology moves along, don't you feel like you've got to move along with it, though? Uh, where am I going to get if I move along with technology where I'm going to have Siri or whatever in my house listening to what I say? No, I, I go into the bank. I do my banking. Yeah. You know, okay. I go into All the right. driver's guy. Yeah. I don't have a credit card, so don't worry about that either. So You are old school, Mike. Nothing wrong with that. Thank you. Okay, bye. Yeah, Mike's definitely old school. I'm not so sure that's the correct approach, but... You know, maybe on the other hand, signing up for everything and being on Twitter and Facebook, maybe that's uh, not the right answer either. I don't know. Keep your calls coming on that. 204-780-6868. Hal at CJLB.com. And uh, the scariest horror movies of all time. Which one do you think is the scariest? 204-780-6868. Hal at CJLB.com. Netflix is out with an interesting list. We'll have that for you. Uh, in just a bit here. Let's see if we can get this tough trivia in here. Okay, here's the question. 204-780-6868 if you know the answer. 2% of adults over the age of 35 and 11% under 35 admit to doing this while driving. We've been talking about distracted driving. What could that be? 2% of adults over 35 and 11% under 35 admit to doing this while driving. 204-780-6868. You got to call. Can't text, can't email. You got to call in your answer. 2% of adults over 35, 11% under 35 admit to doing this while driving. Hi, what is your guess? Smoking marijuana. Not smoking marijuana, no. Hi, CJOB. Talking on the phone. Not talking on the phone, no. Hi. Hello. Got an answer? Yeah, is that's the one that I forget the name of the movie is the one that turns her head around. <laughs> the Exorcist. Yeah, that's yeah. our that's our other question. Okay, thanks for trying to give away the uh I shouldn't have asked both questions in the same break there. I apologize. Hi CJLB. Hey, eating and drinking. Not eating and drinking, no. I will give you a hint because we're running out of time here. We're short on time. It has something to no, maybe I'll take a couple more calls before I give I'm worried I'm gonna give you this hint and you're gonna get it right away. Hi, what's your guess? Uh, taking a quick snooze, closing your eyes. <laughs> no, not the answer. Hi, CJOB. Hi there. Hi. My guess is eating. No. 2% of adults under 35, uh, sorry, 2% of adults over 35 and 11% under 35 admit to doing this while driving. Hi. 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 Got a guess? Picking your nose. Not picking your nose. Hello, CJOB. Combing your hair. Uh, no, not combing your hair, but it is uh, has to do with grooming. There, there's the hint. It has to do with grooming. Hi, CJOB. Hi, is you picking your nose? No, not picking your nose. We already had that, and we know that it has something to do with grooming. I don't think picking your nose is grooming. I'm, I might be wrong on that, but I don't think so. Hi, CJOB. Hi, shaving or putting on makeup. 2% of adults over 35 and 11% under 35 admit they have shaved Yay, while driving. They have shaved while driving. Yes, what is your name? It's Beverly. Beverly, you hi, have just... Hal, hi. Good. Cool, it's good to speak to you and hear your voice. Nice, to, t- nice to talk to you. I was just going to tell you what you won. You won Winnipeg Golf Expo tickets, Red River Exhibition Park, April 6th and 7th, and... I'm going to toss in as well a gift certificate for some Santa Lucia pizza. 
I've never tasted their pizza, so oh. this is wonderful. Are you Hal, kidding? If you saw me, you, you would recognize me. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> Beverly, I think I know which Beverly this is. Did you used to listen to way back in the day, Ron Abel? Yeah. And yes, I know who this yep. is. Hi, Beverly. Okay. Nice, yeah, hi, nice, to, nice to chat with you. Yeah, same here. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll put you on hold you know, here. We, we, yeah. We'll get yeah, you all. Just one more. Yeah. Yeah. We just came out of the grocery store. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. Yeah, it, we heard it. Yeah, well, okay. hey, you got lucky. So I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to get you, you all signed up here because we got a break. The news is coming up next year, okay? Okay. Well- all right. Thank you, Beverly. Global News at 2.30 next on CJOB. Thank you very much. Tristan Field-Jones, he'll be back at 3 o'clock with Global News. Full sports coming up here at uh, 3.25. I want to talk Jets a little bit this half hour, too, if you don't mind. And uh, speaking of sports, joining us on the phone now. Mr. Bob Irving. Hello, Bob. Hey, Hal. How are you? Well, I'm good. La-dee-da. You're going to the gala tonight, eh? (laughs) Yes, the Canadian Football League is going to basically launch Mark CFL Week, Hal, with the announcement of the 2018 Hall of Fame inductees, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame inductees. And I can't uh, give you any of their names right now because there's an embargo and they won't be Released until about, uh, oh, I guess maybe 7.30 tonight. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be quite an event at the Pinnacle Club. Uh, they started this a couple of years ago. For many years, the CFL, when they announced the Hall of Fame inductees, Hal would just put out a release at some point in February or March, uh, and that would be it. And they started uh, a few years ago by announcing the inductees in one of the CFL cities that have you know, what a nice celebration. And uh, I look back to 2015 when the Grey Cup was in Winnipeg and Doug Brown went into the Hall of Fame. And we made the announcement here in Winnipeg, and it was a real good affair. So they, yeah. I think the Canadian Football League and the Hall of Fame have done a real good job here of changing it up. And so it'll be it'll be a nice event tonight, especially for the inductees. It'll add a, sort of a note of special aspect to it yeah and you vote on the hall of famers as you said you can't tell us but are you happy with the uh with the choices oh yeah i've said uh, many times to people who ask me about why isn't so and so in the hall of fame you should see the list of people that we have to consider it's yeah. very impressive and it's a very difficult chore uh one we all take all of us on the selection committee take very seriously but yeah i, I think uh when the inductees are announced tonight, especially the former the former CFL players, mm-hmm. uh, people will think we got it right, Hal. Good. Well, and I think there might be a few tickets left for the gala tonight if people do want to go. I think tickets are around $200, and you can get them at markcflweek.ca. The website is markcflweek.ca. Who knows? Maybe you'll sit at the table uh, with Bob tonight. The players, uh, Bob, as we're speaking now, are arriving for Mark CFL Week. Things really get going tonight with the gala, and then tomorrow Fan Fest begins, and I know you and Doug Brown will be at Fan Fest at uh, the RBC Convention Center tomorrow. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, that's where all the action is, Hal, at the Convention Center. You're right, tonight's announcement of the Hall of Famers is the launch, but, you know, I think for the fans and those who aren't going to the Hall of Fame dinner tonight, and by the way, the Hall of Fame uh, announcement is the, the only event that people have to pay for. Mm. Uh, the rest of it's all free at the convention center, and Fan Fest is what's going to, I think, attract uh, you know the general public. They're yeah. going to have a big football field set up in the convention center. You know, people can uh, time themselves in the forty and throw the football around, and 
I expect, I haven't heard this officially, but I expect the Grey Cup will be uh, hanging around, and mm-hmm. you can have, probably have your picture taken with that uh, with that great old trophy. Doug Brown and I are going to be there tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we'll be doing some hits on the radio uh, during the afternoon with you and with uh, Richard uh, and Julie in yeah. the news. Uh, we're going to have uh, Matt Nichols and Ricky Ray there tomorrow joining us for a few minutes between 5 and 5.30 to talk about their off-seasons and the season upcoming. So it's going to be a great day tomorrow, and I think every day, Thursday, Friday, at the convention center, uh, you know, that's when people should come down and mingle with the, the stars of the CFL. Yeah, I'll be there on Sunday, by the way, after I get off the air here at CGOB at 9 yep. a.m. on Sunday. I'm going to sneak over for a couple hours, so if people... Uh, Want to come out and see me? I'll be there on Sunday. I'm excited about that. I got to get you to weigh in on a couple of moves in Bomberland. We found out about Muamba. Uh, they didn't want to put up the kind of cash he was looking for. How do you feel about that? Well, before I address that, I'll just let me say I said the next two days, and of course Saturday and Sunday are going to be great days too sure. at the convention yeah. center, and that's when a lot of the people will be able to get down there with yeah. their kids when they're not working, so I forgot to add that. Well, look, we've been waiting to hear what Enoch Mwamba is going to do for almost three weeks now, and I think Kyle Walters cleared the air yesterday when he said, and he and he said it in a very, I think, frank and and good way, where he said, look, we're just not prepared to pay him as much as he wants, which would be more than what Andrew Harris is making, and Andrew Harris is our top-paid Canadian, and we're just not comfortable with doing that as mm-hmm. much as we'd like to have Enoch Mwamba. We think he's a great player, but you have to draw the line somewhere on salary. So, you know, I think uh, what Kyle Walters has done is what every general manager has to do when they're faced with difficult decisions about how far they go with paying a certain player. And uh, this is the route that uh, Kyle has chosen, and I don't have any problem with it at all. And uh, Walters also said that uh, Jake Thomas, the Canuck uh, D-lineman, will not be coming back. Kelly Moore on Sports this morning here on CGOB called that a bit of a head-scratcher. What do you think? Well, Jake's played here for six years, Hal, and he's been a you know a, a real solid contributor on that defensive line as part of their rotation. I know Mike O'Shea is a big fan of his. Uh, right now, and I, I heard Kyle Walters' comments, and I listened very carefully. It, it almost sounded to me like they haven't totally closed the door on mm. Jake coming back. But now, the way their roster is structured and the way their salary cap uh, shapes up, yeah. there's no room for him. I, you know, I have a feeling that that might change. But as of right now, um, you know, they feel very strong on the D-line, like they've got good players in there and good depth in there. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just part of the part of the business. You move on from certain guys, and as much as Jake has been a, a good, solid contributor, life would go on without him. But, uh, you know, keep his name in the, just in the back of your mind because mm-hmm. he hasn't signed with anybody. Yeah. And if the Bombers do find that they have an opening on their roster, who knows, maybe Jake could surface after all. Yeah. And, Bob, we kicked off the show today with a visit from Miles Gorell. And uh, I got to ask you, do you have a favorite Miles Gorell story? One of the bookends, of course, him and Walby, and, you know, uh, played, I think, in two great cups with the Bombers, won one in Hamilton. Just a great guy, a great player, one of the legends, really. Well, and fun to be around. I got a couple of stories, Hal, but I can't tell them. You know, I think <laughs> I you af- can understand I that. I was afraid well. you were going to say that. <laughs> we did, uh, he and I and Chris Walby did that bookends on our pregame show for many years, and yep. we had so much fun doing that. Those guys were tremendous football players, but 
they kept everybody around them loose and and Miles loved to have a good time. I mean, he calls himself Miles and Miles from Miles and Miles or whatever. He's in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. He had a terrific career uh, for a guy his size. I was always impressed impressed with a great athlete he was. Yeah. He could he could do things athletically that most big men can't do. But no, that, those were great times when those two were on the yeah. on the team, and those were great bomber teams under the guidance of Cal Murphy. Yeah. Well, listen, Bob. Enjoy the gala tonight. We'll be seeing you during Mark CFL Week. No question. Okay, Hal. And there he is, uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, Bob Irving, joining us uh, here on the show. I want to mention, too, uh, things really kick into high gear with uh, Mark CFL Week tomorrow. And we'll kind of start it here on CJOB with Mackling and McGarry between 8.30 and 9. Quarterback Zach Calaris and uh, Jonathan Jennings will be joining M&M. Of course, uh, Calaris from Saskatchewan. And uh, Jennings from the Lions. So make sure you listen for that tomorrow morning here on CGOB with Mackling and McGarry right after Global News at 8.30. And then tomorrow, like I said, things really kick into high gear. And we'll be talking a lot more about Mark CFL Week tomorrow. All right, let's take a quick break. 2.40, When we come back, we're going to keep talking about the scariest movies. And I want to talk about the Jets, too. All right, coming up. Hal Anderson. I love your show, dude. It's so great. You're one of the best ones I've ever heard on the radio. Hal Anderson on 680 CJOB. All right, uh, let's go to the phone here. We're talking about scariest movies. I am going to touch on the Jets here before the news at 3, so just stand by for that. I want to talk about the Jets. Kind of a milestone game for them last night. But uh, let's go to the phone on the scariest movies of all time. Netflix is out with a list. Uh, people basically what Netflix did is they watched and when people stopped watching partway through, uh, they've come out with this list now where people turn it off and they say it's because these are the scariest movies. People turn them off, uh, because these movies are scary. Joe is on the phone. 204-780-6868. Hi, Joe. Yeah. The scariest movie of all time, Hal? Yes, sir. It takes place in Ottawa. It's called The Drama Teacher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that can be pretty scary at times, Joe. Yes, you're not off on that one. Thank you, man. Have a, have a great day. Hello, Blair. Hey, Hal. Hi. I think this movie is on Netflix's list, but uh, a couple years ago, The Conjuring came out. The Conjuring, yes. Those are good movies. Yeah. Typically, I'm not scared of uh, scary movies in that, but that one freaked me out because when I was a little kid in the 70s, I grew up in the North End, and yeah. in the basement that we had, that the basement scene in that movie... It freaked me out. Yeah, and you're <laughs> and when, right. When I talked to my when I talked to my older brothers and sisters now, and, and I told them about that, it, that basement screwed with their heads too. And every all of us kids hated going down in that basement in that house in the north end. Yeah, and you're right. The Conjuring is on that Netflix list. You're absolutely right. Thank you, Blair. You bet. Have a good one. All right, some text messages here too. Scariest movie ever, Hal, the silent 1922 film Nosferatu. Seriously, it's the scariest. And then the texter goes on to say, Manitoba Hydro is pretty scary right now, too. (laughs) If you missed it, the entire board of Hydro has resigned. Uh, The latest on that coming up in Global News at 3 o'clock in just a bit here with Tristan Field-Jones. Ryan says by text, Hal, I've seen the horrors of the Internet. People are turning off Netflix horror selections because they're not very scary, not because they are scary, my opinion, but more of the underground international horrors are way better. But the real scary stuff is what happens in the real world, but we won't go there. 
Yeah, I guess that's another way of looking at the Netflix list that people would uh, would maybe turn these off because they were bad. But I doubt they would go to, and Netflix says these people go to about 70%, and then they turn it off. And their argument is this list is scary movies because people are getting almost three-quarters of the way through before they turn it off, whereas if it was bad, they would have turned it off a lot sooner. Anyhow, that's Netflix's uh, argument on that. Ruth says by text, scary movie. Surprisingly, how the new movie Get Out starts as a lighthearted look at modern dating with a white and black couple out to meet the parents, but suddenly becomes a wild horror roller coaster ride. Wow, from a first-time director. It is very good. Get Out. It definitely deserved to be there among the Best Picture Oscar nominees this year, no question. Cleveland says The Shining is the scariest movie for him. Wayner says Nightmare on Elm Street scared me as a kid, Hal, but I love horror movies now and don't find them scary, really. My favorite of all time is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, filmed in 2006. Great gore and beautifully shot. For me, I'm not so much into the the gore and stuff. I'm more into, you know, a horror movie that messes with your head, right? That's what I like more than the blood and gore and stuff. Uh, Laura Lynn says, how I agree with you about The Exorcist. I said earlier, The Exorcist is probably the scariest one for me, even after all these years. What was it, 1974 came out? I think I still think it's the scariest. Uh, but there are some other good ones, like The Conjuring, uh, which was mentioned. That's really good. Uh, Hal, as for the Netflix thing, I have stopped watching movies just because they were crappy. Maybe these people are stopping. Well, I told you what Netflix says, but thank you, Laura Lynn. I did think about that, um, that maybe they're turning them off because they're bad, but Netflix says, no, no, these people are getting almost all the way through before they're turning them off. So she uh, Netflix figures they're uh, it's because they're really scary. Uh, Bob says, Hal, scariest movie of all time, my wedding video. Ba-dum-bum. Shh. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> Appreciate that. And uh, somebody else here saying, yeah, me too, Hal. I agree with you. The Exorcist, scary, scary, but I still love green pea soup. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the movie, you don't understand that, but I'm sure most of you have uh, have seen the movie by now, I would think. Uh, I see you on the phone. Oh, let's go to the phone. Let's take the calls. As I always say, your calls are priority. Kathy is on the phone, 204-780-6868. We'll try and go through these quickly, though. Kathy, scariest movie for you? The Exorcist. Yes, and I agree. That would be my pick. Well, when I seen it, I was 16. I I could watch it now. But to this day, that music, I think it was Tubular Bells, when I hear that, I either shut the radio off or leave the room. Yeah. No, very scary movie. You're, You're absolutely right. Is it Bogdan? Is that how I say your name? Am I saying it correctly? Yes, sir. Bogdan. Excellent. What do you think? Exorcist. Exorcist. There's another vote for the Exorcist. Hi, Craig. Yeah, Kim Kardashian and Ray J. Watch it tonight. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> and Brian, Brian. Yeah, I believe uh, I always uh, thought Pet Cemetery was pretty scary. Yeah, I've had a few people text in saying Pet Cemetery. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think I watched that many years ago. It might be one I have to revisit. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Well, Okay, you're welcome. No, go ahead. Make your point. Well, um, the second one, Pet Cemetery 2, was scary, but it had a comedic edge to it a bit. Mm. But the, f- the first one was really good. Yeah. Um, if you listen to the music right at the beginning, mm. you'll get chills. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate the call. You're welcome, Hal. Yeah, and then we could get into a whole conversation about, uh, you know, sequels. And, and listen, I, in most cases, 
in most cases, sequels, whether it's horror or, or whatever genre it is, the the, uh, the sequels usually aren't as uh, aren't as good as the original. All right, let's talk Jets here. Let's do a little hockey here. They are uh, playing some good hockey, boy. They have now won a franchise record 44 games after knocking off L.A. 2-1 in OT at Bell MTS Place last night. Patrick Laine limped off the ice after taking a shot in the ankle, but coach says he'll be fine. We'll, we'll see how it comes in. There's nothing. We've already had him looked at in a couple of different ways. There's nothing sinister. Nothing sinister. And now Paul Maurice on the game itself. We were good. We played hard, almost sharp. You know, there was a lot of good things that happened, but it was a bit of a quiet bench. Um, so I think we, we relied on some pretty good structure to keep the game you know, the shot attempts, as you said, and the chances for against will be heavily favored to our side. I don't feel it was a 2-1 game, but I'm not uh, I'm not saying that was our best. Rookie Cal Connor had two goals, including the winner at 137 of overtime. He now has 27 on the season. That's good for second spot amongst the rookies. Yeah, it's good. It's, you know, it's nice to have the coach have confidence in you and, you know, as a player have confidence and to be able to, you know, go out there and, um, you know, try to make something happen and, and get a chance for the game winner. Blake Wheeler was asked after the game if Connor maybe hasn't been playing under the radar this year. I think everything goes under the radar when you play for Winnipeg. Um, you know, he's he's been one of the huge X factors for our team. I mean, him stepping into our lineup and contributing at the rate he's contributed at is a, a huge reason why we sit where we are today. Um, he was a guy that, uh, you know, you had high hopes for coming into the year, but Obviously, a little bit of a question mark to know really what you're going to get. And um, he's taken the opportunity he's gotten this year, and, and he's uh, done a great job. The Jets now are within half a dozen points of clinching a playoff spot 11 away from sewing up second in the Central and home ice advantage against either Minnesota or Colorado. Anaheim is here on Friday night to take on the Jets. Full sports coming up at 325 with Tristan Field-Jones. And... As we get ready to break here for Global News at 3 o'clock, let me read this Netflix list for you, okay? We've been taking your uh, picks on uh, the scariest movies. And according to Netflix, people turn these off about three-quarters of the way through because they're so darn scary. And I think a couple on this list are because they weren't that good. But I think a couple are because they are very scary. In no particular order, here is the Netflix list. Piranha, Raw, Teeth. The Conjuring, The Human Centipede 2, Full Sequence, The Void, Jerusalem, Cabin Fever, Carnage Park, and Mexico Barbaro. There you go. Some of those I haven't even heard of. I doubt they're terribly scary. I, I, I'm kind of going with, was it Laura Lynn? Yeah, Laura Lynn, saying that maybe the people were turning them off. because. But I will say The Conjuring is, is a pretty good movie. That is pretty scary. The others, seeing as how they're on Netflix, uh, I may give them a try. Take a look and see because, you know, it's not really costing you a bunch of money. You're paying for Netflix for the month anyhow. Why not check out some of this stuff, right? Oh, I promised that we would play. Actually, you know what? I want to give it some time. I've got this really cool new song and video from Kelly Clarkson, but I don't have time to do it justice here, so I'm going to hang on to it. But you got to hear this song. It's called I Don't Think About You. It's kind of all about breaking free from that whatever 
that has power over you. It's a pretty moving video and a pretty moving song. I'll have that for you coming up after 3 o'clock. The news at 3 with TFJ is next. Hey, uh, TFJ, do yeah. you have a favorite scary movie, scariest movie for you? Hmm. Not a favorite, but the scariest you've ever seen. Which I guess if you if it was yeah. your favorite, it would be very scary. Uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs would have to be up there. That's a good one. Um, yeah. That'd be, in terms of maybe more classic one, uh, some of Alfred Hitchcock's stuff, like ah. the, the, the birds and Psycho. Yeah. See, I'm messing with your mind. That's the stuff I like, too. I don't like the gore and the blood. I like the messing with the mind. Well, the, the gore and the blood can get tiresome. Very quickly. It's like, oh, that yeah. guy got a limb chopped off. Okay, yes. that's what, yeah. what else is new? Yeah. It's know? good when it's done well, but I prefer the, the stuff that messes with your mind. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. psychological thrillers, I yes. think is what they're called. Yes, yes, Anyhow, uh, we're moving on from the movies. I wanted to play uh, just a clip from... Uh, a call from Mike earlier because Doug is standing by on the phone and he wants to talk about what Mike said. So if you missed what Mike said earlier, we're talking about Facebook and whether all this stuff with um, Facebook, uh, Cambridge Analytica has maybe got you thinking, I'm going to break up with Facebook or, or get off social media. Here's what Mike said, and then we'll talk to Doug about it. Take a listen. I've never had Facebook. I don't do electronic banking. My parents taught me if you can't have it solid and in your hand, don't do it. And you do not need 700 friends. As long as you got 15 good friends, you're laughing. I go into the bank. I do my banking. Yeah. Don't have a credit card, so don't worry about that either. All right, so that's Mike from earlier. And now Doug. Hi, Doug. Hey, Al. How are you? Good. You? Good. Uh, you know what? I mean, we're both of a generation where, you know, we, we cut our teeth before all this technology, right? And you kept, you know, your 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 private information was private. Right. But I think at this point in time, resistance is futile. If you want to be like the previous caller and, and not embrace technology, hey, you know what? That's great. We, at the end of the day, we don't really need it. But if you are going to immerse yourself in it and use Facebook and, and, and everything else, mm-hmm. really, you know what? It's out there. Like he's just, I, I mean, I'm comfortable with using social media and knowing that whatever I put on there is out there for the rest of the world to use as they please. Yeah. Yeah. And I accept that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for us to think that it's not going to be used, I, I think it's foolish. Yeah. We know it's going to be. And I think you're right. I think Mike is maybe too far one way. He's the guy who said, I'm not on Facebook. I don't do online banking, none of that stuff. But if nothing else, I think this latest thing with Facebook has got me thinking, okay, we need to be a little more careful. And maybe before we click and play that quiz, we need to read the small print and figure out exactly what kind of information they're getting about us by playing that uh, game or, or clicking on that app or whatever. We just need to be more careful. But you know what? I take it a step further, and the line that I use all the time is, is whatever is Hollywood will eventually become reality. And we've seen that, right? I mean, we, we know Star Trek is a good example, but anything that's portrayed in a movie is eventually going to become reality. When I pick up my phone with its cameras on there, I make the assumption that those cameras can be activated by anybody, anywhere, and they can see and hear what I'm doing. Mm. So if I'm going to participate in something that I want nobody to know about, I'm going to make sure that I don't have my phone with me, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I just, like I say, I'm, I'm comfortable and I'm accepting of the fact, you know, that the previous caller, I mean, he doesn't want to use technology because he wants to protect his privacy. And if everybody was honest and had decent morals, we wouldn't need police. 
But at the end of the day, if somebody wants his information, yeah, they'll get they'll it. They'll get it. Yeah. You know, and and I had a friend years ago. I mean, you recall the Henderson Directory, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, the Henderson Directory to me was the first internet. You could go to yeah. that, find out if people owned their yep. home, where they lived, where they worked. Right. You so, could take somebody, you could take a number and find out whose number it was, or you could, you know, look up a name and get some information on them. Yeah, Henderson Directory. Yeah. You know, did did they own their home? Mm-hmm. You know, was there a mortgage on there? All that information was available yeah. pre-internet. So, again, if you're going to utilize social media and technology, yeah. accept the fact that your information is there for mm-hmm. everybody else. To use. Yeah. Hey, or, Doug, I, I got I to gotta run, but oh, I will say right? this about guys like Mike who called in and, and don't want any part of it. I don't think it's as much as they're worried about their privacy is then I think most of them just don't want to be bothered learning the new technology. I think that's probably. That's true too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true, too. All right, so, man. Thank you for right. the call. I appreciate it. Good call. Have a great day. Bye bye. Hey, you know, and somebody just uh, texted uh, Susie just texted this and she makes a really good point. Hal, tell Mike that if he is going into the bank to do his banking, his information's online. It is. It's online with the bank, right? So, I mean, maybe he's not online, but you make a a very good point, Susie. Thanks a lot for that. I think we have time to do this. We're going to check traffic and uh, the weather for you in just a second. I've been talking about this Kelly Clarkson video today. The video, well, the song in the video is called I Don't Think About You. It's basically got her in a black dress. And it cuts in and out with images of a young girl growing up around family dysfunction. And uh, Kelly Clarkson says that uh, the video and the song is uh, about uh, that moment when you realize something has no power over you anymore. She goes on to say, we all have people and or situations in life that mold us. And sometimes those situations can feel like they're about to break us. But this song is about that morning you wake up and you don't even think about it anymore. It holds no power, no weight in your world and consumes your thoughts no longer. It's a song about freedom. Honestly, I don't think about you is taken from Kelly Clarkson's most recent album, meaning of life. And as we head to a break, I want to play a bit of it for you. I I told you guys earlier, I was watching it on YouTube in the newsroom and I'm choking up and I'm getting kind of an emotional, emotional. If you get a chance to go see the video, it definitely, uh, it makes it even more powerful. But here is a bit of the song, Kelly Clarkson, I Don't Think About You.
Al Anderson on 680 CJOB. Yes, uh, 319. Happy Wednesday. We got, uh, we'll recap the uh, show. We will recap the show for you uh, coming up here after 3.30. Tristan Field-Jones, all the sports coming up at 3.25. Global news at 3.30. And one of the big stories uh, today on CGOB is the resignation of the entire board at Manitoba Hydro. And the NDP leader, the leader of the official opposition, Wab Canoe, uh, joins us on the phone now. Question period has wrapped up. Thank you for joining us, Wab. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Give us your thoughts on this today. Uh, the Premier has uh, put out his side of the story. What do you think's going on here? Well, it's a pretty sad day for Manitobans, first of all. I mean, there's 18,000 people in St. Boniface and Transcona who woke up without power this morning. And then we find out that there's a blackout of leadership going on at Manitoba Hydro because the Premier can't find time to meet with uh, the people that he handpicked to lead this corporation. So over the past year... The outgoing members of the board are saying that the premier hasn't met with him, won't even engage in any sort of meaningful dialogue with him. And so today, in question period, I was just asking, you know, what has he been doing over the past year that's uh, so important? You know, he's taken vacation time in a variety of destinations. He's brought in three pieces of legislation to try and protect his salary so that it doesn't uh, get chipped away at uh, if he doesn't balance the books. He, uh, he hasn't found time to meet with the mayor, the federal government. So what is he doing over this past year that's so important that he couldn't find uh, an hour, half an hour, 10 minutes to meet with the Board of Manitoba Hydro? Is it about this $70 million payment uh, to the Manitoba Métis Federation? Is that what is really going on here, or, or is there more to this? I think the Premier is just trying to change the channel from the fact that he's having a bad day. He's got a board that's made up of a lot of uh, influential Tory supporters, but also a lot of nonpartisan people with a lot of credibility in the com- community. And given the choice, every single one of those board members walked out and uh, said they can't work with this premier. And I think it's, it's pretty sad that instead of taking responsibility or you know, listening to the message that those board members are trying to, to, to send them, that instead the premier is trying to change the channel and uh, bringing in the, the Métis Federation here. I don't think he should be blaming the Métis for his bad day on hydro. He should be looking in the mirror and asking himself why he couldn't find time for a meeting over the past year, why he couldn't even bother to listen to the people who are directing the most important uh, corporation that we Manitobans own uh, together, which is Manitoba Hydro. Wab Canoe, thank you for a couple minutes here. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. NDP leader Wab Canoe.